0: This episode of the Mike On Much podcast is brought to you by The Neighborhood, starring Frank D'Angelo in select theaters
1: August 18th. We going to do that screening, boys, or what? What do you think? I think we should do it. Let's do it at the like end of August or something. Who's free? You guys available? Yeah. I'll be coming back from a trip, but I'm in. That'd be cool. Let's do it. And we're going to do it at Frank's house? <laughs> or do Well, we just- I might need to talk to him about that, but we, uh, we could do it maybe just at a normal theater, maybe have like a Q&A thing up the top. Maybe Frank have him there. That or maybe do it at Frank's house.
0: Okay, so potential screening is pending. If you're listening and you're interested, let us know your enthusiasm. We're not guaranteeing anything. Yeah, it's an idea. The Neighborhood in Select Theaters, August 18th. I'm until I'm dead. Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I am your host, Mike Veerman, and I am here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. Max, how's it going? I'm pretty tired, actually. i loving the energy. Yeah. Let's get it up a bit. Okay.
2: I, yeah, I'm pretty tired, man. We're also here with
0: our <laughs> pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Shane, how are you hey, doing?
2: Also tired, but loving life. Yeah. Well, the reason why I'm tired is that Lauren is on a Euro trip right now, and she's out partying every night she's out in like techno clubs yeah. in berlin that's so, exhausting so that morning well no that, <laughs> but i feel like i have to keep up so like the last week i've been like really trying my best to keep up over wow. here holding it down
1: in hamilton toronto
2: so you're partying hard to try and match her party yeah exactly yeah you know, i got like a little competitive and jealous about it so i was like she's gonna go up? Well, i'm gonna go out
1: is that why you got in a car accident today with jr dick <laughs> Uh, Sleeping at the wheel. Okay, yeah. so let me preface
2: this. We
0: sat down. And we were both <laughs> Shane and I just got off a bus from Toronto. We're at Max's place. We're recording this pod. We're just about to start rolling, and Max goes, "I got in a car accident today with Jared Diggs. and me and Shane were with like."
1: What are you, is this? Your first podcast? <laughs> you guys get—I've never seen you so. Well, angry it was just me. before he hit. It record. was literally
2: five seconds yeah. before you. Yeah,
0: it, like so you, we lost the genuine reaction. Yeah. So you are you okay? You seem okay. Everything's fine. You're a little tired. All right. Well, we have lots to get to today. Uh, today on the show we have Maggie Rogers and the band Dawes, who Max you talked to. We'll get to them in a bit. Uh, the reason we talked to Maggie Rogers and Dawes is because we were at Oceaga Festival in Montreal, second week in a row away. Uh, we did a bunch of interviews. We did a little bit of partying. Uh, we saw some music. That's what they do there. That's why people go to that. Apparently, thing. yeah. Yeah. And uh, we had a good time. So what were your guys' feelings on Oshiega?
2: Yeah. Well, the weekend, it was kind of a crazy weekend for me because it started on the Thursday. We drove up to Muskoka for Kitabala, and I was with uh, Ash, our manager, Dan, and The Nut. We were going to have a big road trip up to Kitabala and then over to Oshiega. And I got a text the previous morning from an unknown Toronto number saying, hey, Paul Coffey here. Heard you're coming to the cottage. <laughs> Let's make some plans. And then I was and I was like, oh, wow. Some of our listeners might not know who Paul Coffey is. Give us some context for Paul Coffey. Paul Coffey is a legendary
0: defenseman. He has won a Stanley Cup with uh, Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier. He's won a Stanley Cup with Mario
2: Lemieux and Yarmy Yager. You did your homework. Four Stanley Cup rings. Four Stanley
0: Cups, which uh, you know personally from what I've heard.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. So basically one of my Puck Bunny friends, Luke Gadzik, uh, <laughs> who plays for the Calgary Flames, he had been texting me saying, we're going to Paul Coffey's cottage. But I was like, ah, I'll believe it when I see it. And then all of a sudden I'm on the phone with Paul Coffee, and he's like, wants to know like what kind of drinks we want. He like, do you guys like chicken or steak? And I was like, yeah, like sounds awesome. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> so anyway, we sound check, uh, and then we I asked the guys in the band, because like, the guys who wants to go to Paul Coffee's place? <laughs> the guys in the band were like, yeah I'm gonna go back to our cottage and have a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was interested. I was like, okay, guys, I guess it's just me, Dan, the nut and Nash heading over. And I think he thinks he's entertaining the whole band, but like we show up to the dock, uh, at this marina because of course he lives on an island he doesn't live in a normal cottage you have to take a boat to get there and it's just the four of us and the nut was dressed up like the nut how would you describe the way the nut looks
0: Oh, you know, he's got his big beard, massive beard, he's like sort of tapered, fancy jogging pants, like some fresh Nikes that somebody sent him for free. Yeah. A fitted sweater. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or a jean coat. He's obsessed with the jean coat. He was
2: wearing a jean coat, but he also had these like
1: absurd
2: sunglasses. They're kind of like,
1: I think he's trying to copy Liam Gallagher lately Uh, Okay, (laughs) because they were the same as Liam Gallagher and he was trying to wear a Liam Gallagher coat on the weekend too. Yeah, that he referred to as his Gallagher coat. Oh, really? Okay. And his glasses were very similar to Liam's. So, uh,
2: and you know, we know the nut, and like all of our friends are just our friends. We don't like if somebody's wearing something kind of goofy, maybe we'll tease them. But we don't really think of it. But when I was when we were pulling up, I was like just trying to put myself in the position of Paul Coffee, thinking like, who the hell is this random guy with with Max? <laughs> um, and so we, we get in the boat and it's like we're racing across the ocean. No, it's a lake actually. <laughs> and his boat is called Glory Days, like after the Bruce Springsteen song. Oh, okay. And we pull up and uh, and you can just tell the nut is on cloud nine because this is right up the nut's alley. Like driving in this like really fancy like yacht thing into this private exclusive cottage. Things are going great. We pull up. Paul Coffey's wife Stephanie greets us. She's like really kind like in great
1: shape just classic like, hockey wife look
2: yeah yeah exactly uh and she like offering us drinks immediately and it, trying to make us feel right at home she's like you, you guys got to go swimming. the water is amazing right now and i'm kind of thinking oh, maybe i go for a swim and i'm already like a little self-conscious about taking my shirt off around paul coffee because he's like a <laughs> professional athlete and then all he's the a s- form but he's like 50 right and he's 50 but still he's, he's still in great shape he's still in good better shape, shape than you uh, I didn't see him with his shirt off. What Party happened? Party didn't get too crazy. No, his son, nineteen-year-old his, uh, son, and like ten of his friends come in, and it's like they're straight out of the OC. Like, like <laughs> each <between laughs> one of them had like a twelve pack, and there's like these beautiful blonde boys just like dripping wet from the <laughs> swimming pool. And I'm just like, nah, that's cool. I'm just gonna hang out. It's fine. <laughs> hey, Nat, you got an extra coat I can borrow? <laughs> yeah, it's like give me another layer. Everything was amazing. They drive us back to Key The show goes awesome. Paul Coffee and all of his like kids and friends, they all came to the show and had a great time. So anyway, that we got to Montreal. Um, but wait, wait.
1: Was yeah. he blown away after the show? Like, was he treating you like you were a celebrity? Yeah.
2: He's been texting me like the
1: whole weekend. <laughs> 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 so, so I, I nice.
2: also heard, though, that he pulled out his, his uh, Stanley Cup ring. Oh, yes. oh That's the thing. The first thing we see when we go in there, is they're sitting on the kitchen table.
0: Did you try one on?
2: I didn't, but the, the, the nut but the had nut to have put them all uh, on. Of course he did. Yeah. The nut loved those Stanley cut rings. It? <laughs> yeah, it? it was like pretty awesome. Yeah. Lots of blonde, kind of beautiful
0: boys. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so then we uh, drove to Montreal and met up with you guys.
0: That's right. Yeah. We, we were there. We were already there and working and uh, doing interviews. We got to Oceaga. Is it Oceaga? Oceaga? I don't know. Oceaga, Whatever. I, uh, you know, you want to
2: say it right, but yeah. at the end of the day. Now on Friday night, uh, and I mentioned this on the Facebook live, but I, I want to say it again for our, our podcast listeners is, uh, we went to this hip hop bar called the Blue Dog which is a very cool like hipster hip hop spot. How would you say? We, it?
0: we did our day of work.
2: Yeah, you did our day of work. You guys got into town at like
0: 9 at night or something yeah. crazy. We get back to the hotel, you guys are having beers in the room.
2: Everybody's happy to see each other. We're debating about a Instagram story that I ended up deleting. I made an executive decision and that led to an, a 2 hour argument.
1: An admit a, a story that you found funny though. Yeah.
2: The long of the short is that uh, sh-
0: should we get into this?: While we were at the tent, the media tent, and we were waiting to uh, interview somebody, they had a, a, a feed from the stage, and so Tovolo. That's how you say yeah, that, right? Tovolo. She was on the stage and she just flashed. Like, that's sort uh, of her everybody. Mood. She flashes everybody. She's Every- like
1: the Shamar Moore of women. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I think that's what they call her. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then so we're doing an Instagram story. It, webmaster Dan is filming it, and so I'm like, oh, we've got so and so coming up, blah blah blah." But uh, Tovlo just flashed uh, everybody uh, from the stage at Oceaga. and then it pans over to to Shane, and Shane pulls down his sunglasses and he goes boing. (laughs) So that was the story. It still
1: gets laughs.
2: I still think it's funny. I don't think that was the issue. Okay, so the second part, the very next snap was... We just talked to Maggie Rogers, right? Or uh, we're waiting
0: to- for Maggie Rogers to show up.
2: And
1: then it pans over to Shane again. And Shane goes. Boing. <laughs> and and Maggie's very uh feministy. Yeah. I guess that's the term. I guess she's like a very proper girl. She like we had a
3: went <laughs> <laughs> <She's a lady.
1: laughs> <lucky one> from <laughs> Grown women like me called girl, girls, right? I guess the reason the boing was inappropriate was because I was kind of saying it as a not myself you're saying as a character a character who would be a frat boy type person to say boing yeah so with the
2: that led uh, into a 2 hour debate over you know what you can do in the world of comedy how it relates mm-hmm. to this podcast maybe we should let our, yeah. our listeners let us know it was boing and i
1: feel like, like i won context. the debate though
2: I, I, well Either way, Max deleted both of them.
1: Yeah, and drunk. that's
2: what led to the big
0: thing was whether or not they should have been deleted. Yeah.
1: Well, I felt like everyone agreed with me that it should have stayed at the in, in the end. I don't
0: think. I don't exactly. think that
1: happened. No, <laughs> no we are all pretty drunk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so then from there we end up going to this hip hop bar, and the nut wants us. It was called the Blue Dog. The Blue Dog. It yeah. was a good time. The it, nut gets us in past the line.
2: Yeah, he took care of everybody, and then we ended up. Uh, we're like, you know what? I got a big day tomorrow. I, we have we have a show to play. We have a bunch of press to do. And I was like, let's get out of here. Let's go to a poutine place. You had left already with Alex, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so basically, Ash, the Nut, Mikey, and I uh, go to this poutine place, which is the most famous poutine place in Montreal. And there, of course, is a really long line. And it's a diner. So people are waiting to be sat. And the Nut just goes, let me take care of this. (laughs) And we're just thinking, there's no way the Nut is going to be able to get us Blind bypass at a poutine place. There, oh, by the way, why is there a bouncer at the poutine place? It's because the it's weirdest thing. Because it's that wow. crazy. It gets that busy. It was a they, huge they line. They need somebody to take control. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, the bouncer comes up to us and he says, he looks at Mike and says, you got to put down those beers. But after <laughs> you do that, you can come with us. Mike had snuck two PBRs. <laughs> tall uh, boys. Tall boys uh, from the Blue Dog into the cab to this place. And then Mike's <laughs> like, Pugh. And Mike was like indignant about having to put down his beer. I thought
0: Montreal was loose, baby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Mike, just put him down. Let's go. And then he's like, Ugh. and then we, so we get to the front, and Mike's still sort of annoyed that he had to put down the
0: beer. <laughs> I did tell a couple of bros, I said, hey, man, these beers are fresh. I didn't even drink out of one of them. And they seemed very great. Yeah. Them. So I you're a man the of the people. I like, that. I like to be a man of the people. Not so, the bouncers, though.
2: And, uh, anyway, the, uh, Mike says uh, Jean claude Van Damme over here made me put down my beer because he kind of looked like Jacques-Claude Van Damme and so when we got to the front Mike was still talking about the beers that he lost and
1: uh, <laughs> it's not a good burn by the way he's one of the best looking men ever <laughs> but it annoyed the bouncer yeah. Like I, I <laughs> well,
2: well then Mike was like he's like ah oh, yeah let's put, put down the beers and he's kind of muttering and then the bouncer's like you know yeah. I didn't have to bring you to the front here <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And the bouncer walks away. He's like, Jean-Claude Van Lame. Oh, that's a better <laughs> oh, there's, yes. yeah, there's Yeah, there you go. So the, I like uh, the night ended with poutine. We all went to bed, and it was awesome. Which and like,
1: but and how, how do you, you get in? Oh, I, yeah.
2: So the way we got in is that the nut told the bouncer that I was on the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> but we're in Canada. Like, you're in a big band. What if he had known the Arkells? Isn't that a Montreal is like another country.
2: Okay. It's like Quebec is another country. It's not like the rest of Canada. If this was a bar in like Calgary or something, that might have been just for Arkel's card, could have worked. Quebec, all bets are off. So cool. you have to go with the, like an the NHL team. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. So then day two, we are back to Oceaga. Uh, we actually end up in the uh, Virgin Mobile members lounge, which was a really cool hang. Lots of great people. We did a Facebook live from there. Shout out
2: to Virgin Mobile.
0: Big shout out. We end up uh, splitting off uh, again. Max goes to get prepped to do all of his things for performing, whatever. And then Shane and I sort of get in the media mode. So we go from the Virgin Mobile lounge because we got to go to the media tent. And the thing about the media tent is at like these festivals, you have like a little wristband that, you know, uh, blinks you in. But webmaster Dan, who's producing all these things because you're playing this day, Max, uh, his wristband does not get him into the media tent. I don't, I don't know what the accreditation situation was, but it wouldn't beep in. But we had a guy the first day that was kind of like, you're cool. The second day, we go to go. They would not let us in. I'm kind of eating my pasta. And this woman will not let him in. And she won't quite understand what I'm trying to say, which is like, no, I know it doesn't let him in. But we had like a guy the day before, like he's with us. He's producing these pods.
1: Well, like Mike... Um Mike, regardless of who he's talking to, he he talks with his hands a lot. Like even when he was saying, I was eating my pasta, he went like that. Right? Yeah, he makes the so eating the he, pasta. Mike does that a, a lot. But, uh, you know, English speaking, we don't take any condescension to it. Yeah. It just seems like, okay, this guy just talks with his hands. Maybe he's Italian.
4: Yeah.
1: But... um <laughs> This woman he's talking to, he's like, oh, we're we're here to do interviews. And she speaks half French, half English. She's I'm pantomiming like, yeah, microphones, like my uh, mouth to her mouth. Uh, okay. So she's like, don't you condescend to me. She's <laughs> like, I know what you're doing, okay, and I don't like it, and don't you condescend. And Mike, like Mike's always very nice to... People, especially when he first meets you, right? Like, Mike's super nice. (laughs) (laughs) You know he likes you if he's not being too nice, if he's, like, mildly rude to you. But when he first meets, he's very nice. So then he doesn't even know how to, like, get mad at the, the woman. So it was kind of funny... For me to watch as an outsider, and I kind of really enjoyed, like <laughs> someone Eddie Delisepi-ing Mike. Who, like
0: <laughs> I was, like, I want to say something to her. Like, actually, you know what? Like, you're here to help facilitate our situation. Dan is producing this pod. I was just trying to explain it to you. You're actually being condescending, but I'm also like, I can't get kicked out of here. We have three <laughs> interviews today, and if it escalates, she ultimately has the power. She's the gatekeeper. Yeah,
1: you know, I was watching the hamster spin. Too. Could you see yeah, it yeah, like, yeah. in my brain? And I was. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I was so
0: mad and I was like, I was ready to whatever, like be a dick and throw a tantrum. But I knew I was going to lose that battle
2: because she's the boss applesauce. It's like when a coach in the NBA like is contemplating whether to get ejected from the game in the first or second quarter. (laughs) You're like, I know I shouldn't. I really want to. I really want to. But I have a whole other game to coach and a whole other afternoon of interviews interviews to do. Yeah, so that happened.
0: uh, And uh, yeah, and then I was just kind of fuming for about 20 minutes as I like angrily finished my pasta. (laughs) And Dan, webmaster Dan was like, uh, don't worry about it, man. He's like, that was really weird. That was really weird. But then that was making me mad because I'm like, I don't need a pep talk. I'm like, just leave me alone.
1: Let me do my research. Uh, But yeah, so that was interesting. Oh, well, we were sitting beside a guy in that tent, too, who had kind of a funny thing. We were talking about um, JFL because, you know, you buddy up with the media guy. And this one guy was, you know, very... and he was an extreme extrovert. He liked talking a yeah. lot. And I was saying how Big I met... Big fan of yours. I was really? saying how I met uh, Jim Carrey and uh, Jay Burschel the previous week. And he's like, Jay Burschel, I hate that... F- guy. We're like, "Oh, that seems extreme why?" He he fucked my wife. <laughs> we we're like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, 10 years ago, one night stand he fucked my wife." He's like, "At first it didn't make me mad, but over the years I've gotten angrier and angrier to the point where." <laughs> He's just telling anybody. He yeah. was <laughs> telling it so loud. Webmaster Dan's like, "Can you have a little decorum?" <laughs> That's what he said.
0: So we finish our interviews. Uh we end up going out into the uh the park because Liam Gallagher playing we want to get a beer while we're standing in line for beers uh, Shane and I get recognized for the pod like, Hey guys that listen to the pod uh, we got recognized by a guy named uh, Kai and Jeff and they're yeah. with a couple of their buddies well, the other guy was named Raphael I remember that because I remember some, really? my wife's favorite uh, Ninja Turtle yes no oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tennis player is Raphael and uh, I was like so I'll remember your name dude these guys had bods like Raphael and like did you see the one guy yeah they're just yeah young. he was ripped and these were the like the hardcore fans like they like DM us and stuff oh wow that's mm-hmm. cool
0: well the first thing one guy asked so they're like oh hey we're huge fans what's up and they like they know stuff and then literally within like 30 seconds guy turns the Shane he's like
1: is your wife here man <laughs> <laughs> and they, they go I don't think she's hot at all like sarcastically <laughs> to like not make me mad <laughs> yeah I love going to the uh, Arkell show because that's where the hot hotbed of Mike on Much fans. Yeah. So I kind of feel like Celebrity. somewhat famous. Yeah,
2: So that was pretty good. And then uh, you guys performed that night. We we had a nice little Saturday night set. It was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. I, I felt great from the stage.
1: Like how many fans are watching that? It was like, that big, seemed like 80,000 people were there.
2: Uh, yeah, it was a lot of people. I don't know how many people and were And they all
1: stage. were into the band. Like everyone was singing every word. Whereas when I saw Liam Gallagher, you look around, people weren't really half as into it as they were you like
2: well actually before we get to this and this kind of gets back to the nut apparently he was offended because we were playing on the third stage that there was no VIP area he heard that there was no VIP area to watch the show and he's like this is just embarrassing for the band I feel so bad for the band That they're playing on a stage, <laughs> that there's no VIP area. Anyway though, I turned around and it looked, and you guys were in some tower looking yeah, over he the He made his own
1: VIP. Area <laughs> he built somehow. it
2: himself. Yeah. But I, I liked seeing you guys there because during the show I'd be able to look over you guys Yeah, a you gave
1: Nut uh, a shout-out mid-song. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Drake's dad where he gets a shout-out. So. Yeah, that video I directed. I didn't get anything. <laughs> like, nothing. <laughs> You're know, the guys that you do the show with every week. <laughs> but then
2: afterwards, who cares about that?
0: So after that, we all get split up again, but we know we're going to meet up later to have like a bit of a party. Yeah. So me and the Nut, uh, our friend Emma and webmaster Dan, end up back in the Virgin Mobile Lounge. And Emma happens to be friends with uh, the girl Michelle Mylette that is in Letterkenny, stars yeah. in Letterkenny. So she's like, so we're all in there. It kind of starts raining. She's like, hey, do you think you can get the cast of Letter Kenny into the Virgin Mobile lounge? And I'm like, yeah, I probably can. So I talked to the dudes. Uh, I talked to Wes. He manages to get them into the lounge. They're all hanging out. But I know that there was rumors that I guess every year Jared has people back at his. his
2: yeah, because his, I partied at his place after our Montreal show, and he's got a beautiful place in Montreal, and he does it every year at Oceaga. He invites people over. So Jared Kiso is the star
0: of Letter Kenny. Former guest on the pod. Former pod guest. Uh, And so we were all kind of buzzing that we might get to go to this party or whatever.
2: Yeah. And uh, I just, because when we played Montreal, what happened was Frank Turner wanted to do a house show because Frank was opening the set. So Frank has a lot of energy. So he just met Jared, who he didn't know from a hole in the wall. He didn't know that Jared's like kind of a bit of a celebrity in town. He's like, can I just use your place for a house show? And Jared, who's like the most laid back guy ever is like, sure. So then Frank Turner, who has like, hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers like hey house show in Montreal if you want to come email me and then of course all these Frank Turner like hardcore fans get the address for Jared's place and all of a sudden at like one in the morning after our set in Montreal Jared's place is full of like 75 Frank Turner fans and Frank Turner is like sitting playing songs for like three hours and Jared Kiso and his girlfriend Meg like were so cool about it they were literally handing out beers for four hours just like they, they catered like the whole thing. And so I knew that Jared was really laid back. So I had a bunch of friends in town. I was like, yeah, just come over to Jared's place. Like, you know, normally you wouldn't like kind of be extending invitations to people who don't know the host. I was yeah. just like, no, let's do it. So, <laughs> so, so I probably had like 10 random people who I don't even really know that well to just be like, yeah, just come to Jared's place. Well, we'll And be- one of them who I didn't even didn't know at all was a huge letter. Kenny fan had like, he was like at three in the morning was like, Oh my God, that's the guy that's- <laughs> like, yeah, that's the sense. And he's like, can I go talk to him? I'm like, sure. <laughs> so
0: that was cool. So Shane and I left that Jared Kiso party at like 3.30 in the morning and you were still standing on a couch holding court.
2: Well, here's the and thing. you had a
0: flight at like seven in the morning.
2: I never do this, but again, I knew Lauren was out in like Berlin at a techno club to like nine in the morning or whatever. So I was like, I'm gonna just keep going. And also, it didn't make sense for me to go back to the hotel, sleep for half an hour, and then just have to get up again.
0: I was wondering; it's very rare for Max to go all the way through. And oh,
2: I, well, I did it. And my game plan, my end game plan, was to get uh, Fairmont Bagels because Fairmont Bagels are open 24 hours a day, and I hadn't had my Montreal Bagels yet. <laughs> so I went to Fairmont Bagels, and that kept me up.
1: Were you horribly
2: hungover on the plane? No, I was just kind of tired. I, I had a good nap when I got to Mendoza. It's
0: a very rock star evening for you. Yeah. You played a, played a massive show, went to a TV star's uh, loft party, yeah. and then did not sleep and got on a plane to the next gig.
2: Well, the whole weekend. I was like hanging out with Paul Coffee, drinking billion-dollar tequila shots. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today on the show,
0: we have Maggie Rogers and Daz. Uh, so Maggie was a delight. Uh, Shane and I sat with Maggie.
2: You know, Dan, uh, we missed the Friday set because we were driving from... Kita Bala. And Dan, who's in the car with us, who usually has no interest in going to see live music at all, really wanted to see Maggie Rogers. He is enthralled by her, obviously, uh, her performance with Pharrell, which I'm sure you guys get to. Uh, he, he that's how, That's what caught his attention and he was very sad to miss the, miss the show.
0: Yeah, so if you're listening and you're not quite super familiar with who Maggie Rogers is, she was an NYU student taking music and Pharrell showed up for this uh, music class basically where he was going to sort of judge people's songs. They were given an assignment where they had to write a song and bring it in, record it, and then he was the guy critiquing it. Nobody knew this. And you can see it. It went super viral. He was blown away by her song and thought it was phenomenal. And it basically launched her sort of career and sort of the popular uh, zeitgeist. But um, she was really nice and down-earth and talked a lot about that and being an artist. Then we talked to uh, Daz, who's also on this. And Max is a bit of a super fan.
2: Uh, yeah, the, the whole band is are massive fans of Daz. And I had texted you the day before saying, can I just lead this interview? And so I was so excited to talk to him. I've heard uh, Taylor interviewed another uh, podcast and he's like a really thoughtful guy, really well-spoken. Well, before you get to that,
0: I was very excited for you to take the lead on this interview as well because it was one of the last ones of the day and I was like, okay, I'll do some light research, but really Max is going to do the heavy lifting. So me and Shane are sitting there and they're like, the band is here. And I'm like, but Max is not here. Because I was
2: doing press myself.
0: And Artist World's like over there. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. I'm like, okay. I'm like, Shane, if Max doesn't show up, can you like, are you good to kind of like take the lead on this? And he said, hell no. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I thought you would be there for sure. And then Dan is te- webmaster. Dan is texting you like constantly. So as the Dawes sit down or whatever they're called, <laughs> clearly I know nothing about them. I call you while they're, they're sitting and I'm like, they're here. You're like, Oh shit. Okay. I'm coming. And then I have to awkwardly sit with them. I'm like, hey, you guys, uh, you guys know Max Kerman? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh oh. I thought all you band guys just knew each other or no. something. I, I think you're huge, right? Like, you're yeah. about to play for 80,000 people. So. Uh, yeah, I know.
2: They're, they're Southern California guys. They, and know, then
1: those, uh, I, I was just, here. I said some other stuff. And then Mike's like, you're framing this all wrong. And then took over and I just got up and like. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then I arrived yeah. shortly
0: after. You were yeah, great. Yeah. So once I could see you entering the media tent, I was like, okay, I can small talk these guys for the minute it takes him to get over here yeah
1: shane literally like vanished like (laughs) he he ghosted yeah like i like looked to my right and he was gone well liam gallagher was playing too so i want to run out and see
0: him so yeah then you come through and you sat down and you went to work
2: actually everyone's gonna hear this This yeah so this is uh me taking the the lead on this also uh you know he's dating mandy moore so and i and and that was one of the questions if you listen to the interview uh, because there's one song where there's some female voices on it and i thought it was mandy moore and then he mentions, I was like, asked him who who are the, the girl singers on the on the song. He's like, actually yeah, my girlfriend Mandy and the band Lucius. But uh, anyway, like amazing songwriter, killer band, and uh, band nerds are gonna like this. I think. Want to get to the interviews? Get to it.
0: How's it going? Feeling good?
4: I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back in Montreal. It- Montreal.
0: <laughs> Neither of us speak French. So. Cool. But that was cool. impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I tried. I sold really, me on that. I
4: really went for it. <laughs> um, I just had an amazing set. I, I just... The crowd was so in it and present. And it just totally changed my entire day.
0: How much have you been doing uh, festivals since everything started happening for you?
4: I, I've been on tour... I've been on tour since January, but my summer tour started in June. Right. And so I actually... Before this, I was in Tokyo... <laughs> which I, I played at a festival called fuji rock in japan which is insane
0: how was tokyo just in general
4: I, I actually i felt weirdly really comfortable there i loved it as a city just so colorful and all the everything is really considered like the food and the design and yeah we got to go into the mountains to the festival so i really enjoyed my time there that's pretty cool yeah but it's it's the festivals have sort of it's been the whole summer it's it's crazy that it's it's taken me around the world at this point.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess getting back to sort of the start of this crazy journey, like the viral video and your story, I think of the master class and Pharrell sort of discovering you, it's quite well known. Like, I guess talk about what the previous years were like leading up to that, you know, so you were making music and...
4: I've been writing songs since I was about 12 and producing my own music since I was 15. Yeah. Um, I like made my first record when I was a senior in high school. And it was sort of those early demos that got me accepted to a production and engineering school um, at NYU. Yeah. And so I spent the four years before that moment um, studying, and and I worked. I had a, I had a couple years of writer's block, so I actually thought I was going to be a journalist and worked in journalism for a while. Interesting. Wow. Because I sort of was like, all right, if I don't want to tell my story right now, I'll just tell other people's stories. Yeah. But um, yeah. It, a lot a lot of work leading up to that moment
0: did you always see like you know so you're going to school for music and writing music for a long time did you was the end goal to sort of have success on the level that you have now like oh i want to be out front I, i'd love to be playing festivals touring um or is this sort of something that you, maybe you didn't even imagine
4: i mean the end goal has always been to just create some sort of situation where i can always be making things yeah because no matter what i just i love making music and i think that's still what the goal is but you know, I've, I've, in college and in high school, I played in a bunch of bands where it's bass in a punk band or banjo <laughs> and a folk band. And, you know, there's definitely a song in every band where and a moment where so everyone's like, what if we got to play this at a festival, <laughs> <for> a <laughs> festival <laughs> crowd? And and so it's it's been so exciting to see those my songs then translate into that space.
0: So like you're playing major festivals, you're doing this like the club tour and all that stuff. What have you found in this last year's the biggest learning curve when it comes to that? getting out on the road and, and finding yourself as far as like a...
4: I mean, I think the road is just a learning curve. I'm so much better at it now, but it was really hard at first because it's exhausting in a way you're not familiar with because, you know, I'm not like in class or working on a paper and yet I'm so... It's just really a draining because you're sure. traveling and it, you're talking to a lot of people. You know, even after my first festival, this is it's kind of a crazy story, but I played Firefly. Which was like 40 minutes from where I grew up. So I got to sleep in my childhood bedroom. It was amazing.
0: <laughs> Did the family come out?
4: All my family came. I, friends from middle school came. It was great.
0: All the ticket
3: requests. All the, yeah.
4: But after my show, I, I sort of like, I got off stage and I ripped out my in-ears and my shirt and just started sprinting. I just started running. And it was just like, it was so much energy. So many more people that I wasn't used to that it just I felt like I was electrocuted. I didn't know what to do with it. I was like okay, I feel good about the set. I need to just like run or like figure out. It's it's just like a whole learning curve of what to do when you know it's like a wave.
0: Yeah. When you were um you just did James Corden.
4: Yeah.
0: Uh how's James to be around? Oh, he's lovely. Did he like did you think we came into the green room and talked to you before yeah, and all yeah, that yeah.
4: stuff? Yeah he's he's super, super down to earth. I haven't met every like I haven't met every late night host I've been on their show, but James like really made a point to say hello, and yeah, he's really great.
0: When you're doing a performance like that, how do you prep? How do you walk through it? Are you
4: so so late night TV is some of the it's like the weirdest performance space <laughs> um, because there's no reaction from the crowd, so it's a really it feels almost like an inauthentic engagement because right. like. You're, like, giving your all to, like, a seated, quiet audience who are paying attention. but
0: So the vibes were, like, the energy the is not is there. The vibe is
4: very strange. Right. Um, and actually, I didn't really realize I was prepping for it, but the last gig I did before my first late-night TV show, which was um, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. The Tonight Show. The last, the last gig I did before that was a, like, 150, 200-cap, like, dinner theater room (laughs) in Northampton, Massachusetts, which like I'm moving a lot during my set. So I was playing the show and like everyone's just like staring and sitting and eating. And it was a really uncomfortable show, but about halfway through I sort of got over the fact, no matter how many times I'd sort of like prompted the audience of like, you can move. <laughs> Halfway through, I got over the fact that everyone was going to sit. And I just had a really great time. And I think that that's sort of the key to the late night situation as well.
1: Like You, you almost just have to kind of do it for yourself.
4: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to enj- enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to add there, Shaney boy?
1: I didn't even know this mic was plugged in. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. No, I just, just He kidding. told me to sit here and look cool. So. I'm yeah, That's that's his role on job. the show. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Um, you dance in your videos. And, like, I think we have a sense sort of, like, who your musical reference points are. But, I mean, who are your uh, dance reference points?
4: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I love Pina Bosch, and I love, like, Spice Girls videos. Yeah. So some combination of, like, free movement and, like, 90s <laughs> dance moves. Like I the wannabe
0: video when they're running yeah. through the, din- the dinner club. I,
4: I just want that to be me all the time. Yeah. I like to hit a little, like, Backstreet Boys, like, Knee bounce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. On stage, I'm kind of... I feel like I'm a little bit of a spaz sometimes. I kind of just like... I realized a little bit ago that the performer sort of gives the audience permission to move. And so I just... They take
0: their cues from you.
4: I think so. I think that if the if the performer lets go and it's just like in their body and enjoying the music and, and hearing the music and processing it physically, then I think the audience will do that as well. Yeah. Obviously, that like, there are contradictions, like a DJ set, but... I, I have had the most, like, mental, physical release in those sort of situations.
0: Right. How involved are you sort of in the the, the creative for the videos? Are you very hands-on with sort of all of the aspects of your career?
4: Yeah, I wrote all of the treatments for all of my videos when I was actually still in school. Oh, so these are,
0: like, ideas that you'd had. Yeah. And now you're being able to sort yeah, of... Yeah, it was
4: amazing. To, you know, the Alaska video we shot at my house in Maryland. The Dog wow. Ears video we shot at my summer camp. The on-and-off videos on a soundstage like a couple blocks from my house in New York. So we sort of hit all of the important places. But I got to work with this incredible all-female team. And all of the people in the videos are like my friends from college. So it was really crazy, especially for like the Alaska video, having this idea in like March of my senior year for this video. And then getting to then in September invite all of my friends to my house in maryland for a party with a major film crew and like a budget and i love budget it's amazing
0: you can do so many things i
4: love budgets (laughs) yeah it's it was it was really really cool
0: yeah well i guess lastly i mean for our listeners to be able to sort of like take that huge leap get that big break that you've had what advice would you give to anybody who maybe finds themselves in a similar situation where their life changes so drastically
4: well the th- the thing about the change that happened in my life is that I was also I also spent 4 years educating myself and preparing myself for it. So everything happened really fast but I spent 4 years studying production and the music industry and recorded music history. So then when all the change happened the learning curve was steep but I already sort of spoke the language. Yeah. And I think because I had an education I've been able to really maintain and hold my creative power in all of this situation and not get lost in it so I would just say to to educate yourself
0: prepare for the moment if it happens
4: yeah be ready
0: yeah thanks so much for your time
4: thank you so much for having me really
0: appreciate it how you guys doing pretty good Nice. We're just gonna roll
1: right into this thing. Just keep cool. doing it. Do you guys know uh, Max Kerman from the Arkells? No. no? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> We're just gonna switch mics halfway through this interview. Just oh, there he is. He's yeah. coming up
0: now. We're gonna end up uh, swapping out uh, uh, hosts on this show. So I, I think I, he's your I, biggest
1: fan. So he's yeah. gonna, like, oh, now you sure. prefaced it yeah, weird. He was... He's playing the festival as well. <laughs> oh,
0: so cool. basically, the way it works is uh, so he's in a band here in Canada and uh we started this show together oh, yeah. for much you guys know much it's yeah, like the mtv much, yeah. Yeah, yeah awesome cool yeah so anyway, we started this is max by hey the way hey,
3: hey man max.
2: taylor, taylor good, good, good to meet to you me, hey well, how's it going Good.
0: so, so what time are uh, you guys on
2: today oh they just on. walked you off you just came off yeah. the stage oh yeah. shit. how'd it go
3: it was cool yeah it was cool it was like are you, you know um is on that stage in a few hours so you could see all the shirts and like the looks of like we want our band, but <laughs> but by the end of the set, it felt like a lot of those people that like ha- clearly had no idea who we are were somewhat enjoying themselves. Yeah, I Yeah, winning as them much, over. Yeah, that's as much awesome. As you hope.
0: Do you find like I mean something like that where you get up on stage, you see in the Muse shirts? Do you like the challenge of like we're gonna win these people over, or maybe they're gonna hear something they haven't heard? Um,
5: absolutely yeah the challenge is nice i mean i feel like we'd probably rather play to a hundred thousand people that already knew our band but (laughs) sure the challenge is great yeah yeah man. yeah
3: i mean it's it's a weird thing because like this this i feel like um tastes are so compartmentalized this day and age like the band that we heard across the lawn before we were playing was just it didn't sound like there were any instruments at all and and i'm sure it's wonderful but it's just if someone's gonna go enjoy that and then we're gonna do our thing with like you know, like, slower songs with too many verses and too many guitar <laughs> breaks. And, like, I, it's, it's it, you know, the, almost by the criteria alone, it's like, are, are people at a, at, a, at a contemporary festival going to enjoy that as much as they would have, say, not, not, not even that long ago, like 10 years ago or something?
0: Yeah, where there was maybe more patience to sort yeah. of be in the ebb and flow of that and kind less, of set.
3: And less electronic music, which, again, yep. is cool. It's, I don't mean against it. It's just, it's just there seems to be a bit, pretty broad shift.
2: So, I'm a big fan. I play in a band called the Arkells Kells we're playing tonight. Right uh, and uh, we listen to you guys all the time. And <laughs> your last record is our favorite. We love oh, all. Cool. all the, and uh, so I have some nerdy questions specific to that record. Cool. That Do I want to get into it. So, uh, Roll Tide. I just found out recently you guys didn't write that one.
3: No. What um, is the
2: story? And that is unusual, I feel like, yeah. for a band that's centered in singer-songwriter music. to Well, not...
3: through the years... Um... Our our bro Jason Bozell yeah. has become somewhat of a of like a co writer with me. Okay, um, we wrote when the tequila runs out, like fifty we wrote, fifty. We wrote a picture of a man together, um, and then he's he used to make records, but he doesn't anymore. Now he just wants to like be more of a songwriter, and we we've been working together on so much. Stuff. We have a lot of we have a lot more stuff for the next record together. Um, so he's kind of like part of this Dodds family, even though he doesn't tour get on stage with us and um and he had this song roll tide that he was sitting on about his relationship with this girl who when they broke up she started dating some younger handsome man from uh, from Birmingham, some hot dude from yeah we've all been there yeah Yeah. and he was and and so (laughs) the song was almost like a a a message to him um and it was such a beautiful song and and it was like you know if jason isn't going to record this somebody should yeah it's got to have a life so so we thought you know if Griffin's singing it, um, maybe it'll like it'll add another dimension to the fact that it's like a song that's not a typical like written by Taylor Goldsmith Dawes song. That yeah. was kind of the thinking on that. So
2: it's seamless though; it fits in with the whole record.
3: Yeah, that's kind of why we I've been c- connecting so much as writers is just I feel like when we both write, we seem to get each other's language in terms uh-huh. of the songs that this dan- this this man puts out and then the songs that he writes.
2: So the production on it is like an awesome evolution. Uh, from the last one and I, I read an interview that you were talking about specifically trying to think about sort of the, the state of like music and sounds in 2017 and how an, a sort of lack of a better term like a folk rock band can be a part of that in some way and Blake Mills like he's also one of our favorite producers yeah. like everything that he's touched like the John Legend record is so good Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I love all the sounds were there any specific reference points sort of outside of the world of Americana music that you guys were thinking about uh, from song to song, like "Picture of a Man," for instance, that one. Like, what were what were the reference points for that song? Can you, if you can think of it? Yeah, I
3: don't really that, know. Yeah, like if anything, that's an
2: unusual, like,
3: yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, we, weirdly, like, uh, some of it will come from stuff that ends up not leaving a fingerprint at all on the final product. Like, we were listening. At least I was listening to a lot of those Keith Richards solo records at the time. Okay, and like, and his the way he was playing guitar on specifically those two records is like its own thing. And obviously, I mean, at least not to me, that song doesn't sound like a Keith Richards song no, at all. No. Um, also, like when we started like cooking it up, like I think people were talking about like, oh, it's kind of has like a toots in the Maytals. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it had a reggae, Oregon, Oregon reggae, Oregon band, reggae thing, but yeah. like that was totally an accident. I mean, I, 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 the term reggae is like kind of terrifying yeah. to like be associated with <laughs> with our music. But, but it so, kind of Yeah, it kind of fits with that song. Who, who, are, who, who are the female singers on that one? It's um, my girlfriend Mandy. Oh yeah, yeah. and then the girls in Lucius. Oh oh yeah. So so we were we were pretty lucky to get some badass singers on that one. Okay, next
2: nerdy question. The keyboard stuff on the record is amazing. (laughs) And Lee uh, Lee Pardini. Yeah, where'd you find him?
5: He was playing with our buddy Jonathan Wilson for a long time, and he's just one of these guys that was playing, like, he can handle, like, 10 gigs a day and learn any song without even sitting at a piano. He's just, like, a crazy ace. And so yeah. when we were in between piano players, he flew out, covered a show, played, like, 30 songs flawlessly without any rehearsals, and just, like, blew We, even, our we
3: minds. even told him the wrong key on one song, and he, like, <laughs> and we started, and as we were starting, I was realizing, like, oh no. <laughs> I told him the key at A, and this is in G, G. And so we hit, and he missed the first chord, and then didn't miss another never, chord. Yeah, just quickly did the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was just like quickly, oh, okay. Uh, and like that, to me, that was. So and he's heavy. still
5: bummed about that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he still beating himself
5: up yeah,
2: about exactly. that one. Yeah. How that
3: I one off chord. I could never have known. Yeah.
2: And are, were, the, were those sounds like his ideas, or was that a kind of a group conversation when it comes to like what synths or it was kind you of wanna... yeah, it
3: was kind of a group thing. I think with Blake and all four of us together, I think like, you know, we love electric guitar, we love vocal harmony, we love acoustic piano, we love. Um you know like the b three organ, like these very associative instruments, especially in rock and roll, like if you hear a b three you're almost you're almost inclined to d- to decide b- before you, you've heard the whole song what kind of song it is yeah. just because it 's such an associative instrument um, and we wanted to take these these like more or less traditional like cornerstones of of rock and roll and then figure out a way to really f*** it and re- yeah. figure out a way to really turn it on its head, so for songs like you know, one of us, where people are like, "Wow, there's so much sense." It's like that's actually just a clavinet and com- some guitars. Yeah, that's all it is, and then the band. Or we're all gonna die. People are like, "Oh, that sounds like a drum machine." It's, no, it's actually like a really cool little mini snare, and and we just tried to like, kind of reimagine otherwise traditional associative instrumentations.
2: Who did the string arrangement on "We're All Gonna Die"?
3: Oh, this guy Rob
5: Moose. Who's a genius. Yeah. The space like on that song allows for... A,
3: yeah, yeah. He's, he's a monster. He's he comes into the studio
5: and it's just him playing everything and he just goes like, all right, now up, I'm track. violin one. Okay, new track. Now I'm violin two. Now I'm viola three. And I'll just stack it and st- until you're just like, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, that's
2: so cool. Yeah, he's wild. Yeah. Um, I saw you, we were on tour in Hamburg and I saw you guys play with uh, Connor. Oh, cool. Yeah.
3: Uh, what was it like? Was rep- that the show that he was like giving away drums and stuff? I don't. Maybe I oh. missed that. I, there was one show they like <laughs> gave away the
0: roto <laughs> to someone what? in the front row. And like, like at the end of the set or like hey, during. The kind
3: of yeah, in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the they were drums? still needed. Yeah. Like those rototoms, so they were like just on a stand at the end of the. were superfluous. And, drums. He, like, yeah. and, and he, 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 he had a. He was <laughs> on one that night, and like, and so he just grabbed the roto and handed it to someone in the front row, and that person, even though it was the middle of the show, yeah, they turned around to start right. leaving. And then, put like, in your car, man. and then uh, the main backline tech, uh, um, um, Phil. Phil, yeah, big Phil. Um, he like had to go out and get them. Like, no, no, he's joking. We need it's our like, gear. He, that's expensive stuff. Yeah. Well, no,
2: actually, that show. I think you guys came up for the encore and started playing the song, and it. Took him like that was the same show. That was the same show. Okay, yeah, it took yeah. him like 15 minutes to come yeah, back. He on was it. Was yeah, just like, he was. Really? He was in a way yeah. that night. Yeah, I was God like, love fame. him. I was like, is this part of the bit or? Uh, we
3: were we were scared because like we were playing. I think what, what song it was song was Goldmine. Yeah, Goldmine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it was yeah. like, which we like never played the whole tour. We was like kind of just like going out for it. And like, yeah. And we're like, and then we're getting in the groove and waiting for him and waiting for him and waiting for him until it got to a point where we were like scared because we're like. There's no way he's coming, and we're at some point i have to stop and like walk off. Are you think about like so how do I yeah. tell the crowd that <laughs> like, the show's yeah, over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so weird, but then he came up, and we finished it. So, um,
2: do, do you guys have any plans like that? Because you're sort of the band's band. it feels <laughs> like you know, and and I mean that's a huge compliment. Well, thanks. Is there any other plans for that kind of exercise where you'd? be on tour with somebody and also be the backing band? or, or I mean, We always want to. Yeah,
5: we, we always find ourselves doing it. It just kind of happens, but we got no real plans of it as yeah. of now, but we're always open to it if it's someone we like, you know?
2: Yeah. With, um, you turned around this last record like in a year, it was yeah, actually, yeah. hardly a year, right?
4: Yeah.
2: What's Was there any pushback from management or label to say space it out a little bit more, or were they excited that you had a new music ready well, to go? Well, it
3: seems like the, the, this, I mean, like, you know, it's not like Dawes has ever had some like top ten single that we've needed to like milk for sure. all it's worth or anything. So for us, um, it it's it seemed like with with the way things are changing with how much you can just release, it's like you just get more at bats and like the more we can we can put stuff out there, it's like the, the more oppor- the, the, the more opportunity it gives us to continue touring. Yeah. I feel like someone who sees a show on a certain album's tour is like less inclined to go see that same set necessarily well it's not the same set but that same tour without a new record you know if they haven't put anything out in two years or something so we just thought if we could put out another record we can keep this thing rolling yeah a little bit longer
2: well thank you i've been wanting to tell you as well we have a song on our last record uh, it's called making do and we rip off your bridge <laughs> it's the, well our bridge is just your bridge <laughs> and it uh it's off, not the most recent record, but it's like, eh, and and from El Paso. Oh, oh,
3: somewhere along the way. Yeah, so yeah.
2: So, I'm gonna send you Making Do, or you just look it up on Spotify, up. and wait for the bridge, yeah. and then you can send then, your lawyers to cool. And cool. you, you wait for the, the lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, but thank you. You guys have kept us company oh, on man, the road oh, a lot. Thank so, you very
0: much, yeah. means a lot. Thanks for your awesome. time, guys. We're cool. Welcome to The Dessert. Shane, what's been going on?
1: It's the dessert. This is your segment. We had a big lunch, you and I, Mike. That's right. With Frank D. Frankie D, as I'm calling him now. I was in uh, New York City and I could not be there. And I
2: forgot that you guys were on this lunch until maybe the next day. And then I was like, oh
1: my God. We might've still been on the lunch because it did last <laughs> quite a long time.
2: So give me the rundown because I haven't heard anything about this lunch.
0: Where where was it? It was, uh, you know, Shane calls and he's like, hey, uh, Frank wants to do this lunch tomorrow. Like, are you in? I'm like, yeah, I could get like down with that. Like I'm thinking it's going to be at Forget About It just down the street, like near work or whatever. And then I agree. And then Shane's like, "It's in Kleinberg." I'm like, "I've never heard of it." I look it up <laughs> on Google Maps. I'm like, "Shit!" I'm like, "Shane, this is like further than Hamilton from where the work is." He's like, "It'll be fine. We'll Uber over."
1: No, I was like, "Well, I don't care if you go, Mike, but I'm not missing this for the world." <laughs> that's what I. That's what I said. So he kind of lives off the beaten path a little bit. But Frank calls me, and he was. By the way, whenever you hear from Frank, it's an, an email from his assistant, Gemma.
2: Yes, and it just says Frank needs you to call him. Yes. <laughs> and, and then you always flip us
1: the email and you go, this could be interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I always say, "Uh oh, yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried because I, you know, I don't want to upset Frank. I don't want to upset anyone, but I especially don't want to upset Frank. So he's like, can you drive? And I'm like, well, technically I can, you know, I'm not a good driver and I don't drive often, but yes, he's like, oh, I was going to send you a driver oh. like to pick you up. I was like, shit, I should have said I, I can't drive. That'd be kind of cool. I, I know this lunch, like it's Frank. There's going to be drinking. I don't really want to drive there, especially from Hamilton. And it's in Kleinberg. We're going with Mike. So I'm like, you know, we're just going to Uber over. We end up getting in the Uber. What time? 11 a.m. Yeah. To get there for the noon lunch. But on the way over, I find out that Mike has switched to vegetarianism. You also.
2: T- <laughs> really?
0: Hey, man, when Frank speaks, I listen. <laughs>
2: so <laughs> are we all vegetarians right now by the way i've been a vegetarian for the whole week really same really yeah look at this so
0: i've been flirting with it since akja and then i was like you know what let's just do the damn thing
2: and
1: they
0: call us
2: a bunch of bros
1: you know? <laughs> i'm obsessed with that <laughs> review <laughs> but anywho mike and i get into this like epic debate on uh veganism versus vegetarianism and <laughs> what side were you guys on
0: we don't want to okay, rehash mind, the whole mind, thing mind, okay. no but essentially shane was saying that
1: like dairy's bad milk and sure. milk well and the way they, they, the way they or milk uh, and eggs okay
2: i don't care carry okay. on. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> And it was very unexpected and threw me off a little bit i was already kind of nervous we're really getting into it mike i don't really argue with him but when we do debate mike's known for an intense debate in the off time you catch him in that <laughs> mode <laughs> So, anyway, like
0: our Uber driver must have loved us.
1: Yeah. So, very interesting ride. We get there, and I've already looked at the menu because going in there, my first concern is embarrassing myself in front of Frank. And I've read that Frank orders a bunch of meats and cheeses wow, and all of these prepared. things. So I, I looked at the menu. He's an it Italian guy. There's a. And I, I looked at the vegan option, right? That I that I could get there, and they had the special gnocchi. So I'm like, perfect. I'm gonna get the gnocchi when it when it comes to. <laughs> So we get there. The world's like fanciest restaurant. I Google reviewed this restaurant before we went to, and it only has five-star reviews or one-star reviews. Okay. And there's like 31-star reviews and like 55-star reviews. All the one-star reviews are like, do not bother going to this place unless you're a big wig. They only cater to regulars. So Frank's like, hey, hey, (laughs) sucker. He's like, just he's calling (laughs) waiters. (laughs) <laughs> Obviously, Frank's a regular. He's like, you know what I want? You get that thing? It's like, you get that thing? <laughs> that thing's not
0: here. And was it just the three of you at the table? At this point, at this point we were joined by a colleague at another yeah. point.
1: So uh, a <laughs> bottle of $300 wine comes, how presumably. Did he, how did you know it was 300 It just looked like it was 300 bucks. Did Minimum, he tell you that? You could just tell. Sure. And then the waiter comes around and kind of asks us what we want. I say, oh, could I have the gnocchi, please? He goes, no gnocchi. And Frank's like, is this a f- Italian restaurant or what?" You are c- Sucker and talks to the waiter, kind of berates him a little bit. Because they don't have the gnocchi. And then Frank's like, how about, how about a nice big uh, steak? i will get you the biggest steak they got. And, and now I'm and, looking you know, at him because yeah. we've just gotten a huge thing in the cab yeah. right over. But Frank's looking at me and, you know, I'm a lot of things and a hypocrite is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. And I just got the biggest, juiciest steak that they had. I was shocked when you agreed to the steak.
2: But I've been in that situation before where... You know, for whatever reason, you want to impress the person you're with. And you're just willing to do stuff that you would never do otherwise.
1: Yeah, I would have eaten a full pig with like the apple in its mouth at that <laughs> moment.
0: And then his colleague shows up, Peter. This Pete? nice guy that he knows from the neighborhood.
1: Just- like super nice guy. Uh, very well off. He owned a, like a very successful business. Yeah. But, you know, Frank's busting his balls a little bit. All of a sudden, I, I just make a comment about one of Frank's actors, how my wife is is attracted to one of the actors who's who's older. And then Frank is like, oh, that guy, that guy, he's 60 years old. And then Mike and he's like, well, you know, Al- Alex married Shane. So uh, what, do, what do you think of her taste? Like Mike's busting my balls all of you a sudden. Mike gets in on it. <laughs> Mike gets in on the ball busting. You're Peter, busting Peter's balls. Peter said, pressure does a yeah. lot of things. Makes you eat steak. <laughs> makes you tease know, your I'm friends. Like, Mike has never made a comment like about my physical appearance <laughs> being ugly ever. I felt like I was in Goodfellas. Like he's yeah. busting Peter's balls. Peter's laughing about it, and I looked at him, and he goes, "Forget about it." <laughs> I'm like, Mike, who are
2: you right now? It's like kind of like me around hockey players. Yeah, That's exactly. They yeah. yeah. like, start doing. No so bottle service. Of course, service? we're going to the bottle service. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Now, yeah, I
1: assimilated, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can see the bewilderment <laughs> on Shade's face. And uh, Frank has three cell phones with him at all times. That's <laughs> true. One looks like a little BlackBerry from like 2005, sure. like you know that one with the little ball roller. One's yeah. like an advanced like Samsung one, huge one, and one kind of looks like an iPhone 6 kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you'll be in mid-conversation, he'll just randomly get a call and he'll just like wheel a deal like he was like <laughs> he was like what what is this cnn he's like you know cnn uh they got three million viewers at any given time Sixty thousand? that's it <laughs> do it done just hangs <laughs> up. he's like so anyways what do you <laughs> do it or whatever well,
0: another bottle of wine another bottle of
1: wine we're sitting there we're going oh, it's like 12 15 but okay like um, we'll roll no. another bottle of wine another bottle of wine comes we're st- we're starting to get like pretty comfortable has the food arrived yet plates just come. Frank Uh, just snaps his fingers. Another plate comes like fruit plates. Then Uh then he he has his own concoction he makes that like it's like a what what was that thing? Like it was like an inside out pizza.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was like a Uh Panzerati. But
1: he made that menu item. Oh, so pretty drunk. And he's, you know, small talk. He's like, what what does your wife do for a living? I'm like, oh, she's a supply teacher. (laughs) Supply. We got to get her a full-time job. i like, <laughs> like, what? How do, how do we do that? All of, my, all of a sudden, the phone's out. Ding, 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 calls. He goes, yeah. Hey, I got, I got a, a friend. His, his wife needs a job. Yeah, full-time position. Yeah, teacher. All right, bye. looks at me, goes, done. I, go, what? I didn't tell you her name i didn't tell you what district she's in how is this done <laughs> but i'm drunk and admittedly a little naive at this time so i'm like alex so i just got you a full-time job <laughs> like frank hooked you up and then another bottle of wine comes well no peter leaves he gives us oh. all a hug sweet guy yeah peter leaves he didn't he didn't talk too much He was kind of frank just He was kind of almost there just to get his balls busted the whole time. But he kind of enjoyed it. Like the relationship was nice. Really sweet guy. He had a lunch. He left. So I'm like, are we supposed to leave? Another bottle of wine comes, I guess. I'm like, oh, I guess not. We start talking. Next thing I know, we're getting offered a movie role (laughs) in Frank's (laughs) next film. What's it called? We might have to beep this, but Frank's playing an Oh, wow. Going to be the coach. He's getting in the movie? So if you don't know, it's a very prominent actor. If we're beeping this, because we have to protect this. Also, might be in the film. Come on. Also known
0: as. I don't even think we can talk about the plot because okay. it's Frank's
1: plot to talk about is what I'll say. So, so we'll leave the details of Frank's. It's the most interesting plot I've ever heard. Frank describes the entire film to us. Like he I'm so, jo- I'm almost in tears. Of course, Frank wrote it. He's doing scenes at the yeah. table. He, he's doing the entire movie at the table, the most emotional scenes. And remember, we're about five bottles of three hundred dollars wine it's in. It's actually right now. making me emotional. Shane's starting to tear up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what was your take at the at that time? Were you drawn in?
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah. I wanted
0: to know how the how the story was going to end. Right. Once he got into sort of the this character's plight and, and how it would all happen. And you know, I was starting to think about motivation for our characters from when <laughs> we're set.
1: Oh, do you, do you want to know what character we're playing? What's our character? we're playing ourselves in the movie. <laughs> I'm not joking. We're playing podcasters. And wh- how 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 do we get- We're um like I guess it's a you know a scene in a movie when a big event happens, they kind of cut away to news organizations like, you know, talking about it. Uh-huh. So we're one of the news organizations. He's like, "We'll get your logo in there, everything. We'll get Mike on much nice and prominent." He's like, "You're playing yourself." So Max Will you do this role? Okay. So we,
2: (laughs) full disclosure, we had a long conversation about this hypothetical role. And I, you know, I had some apprehension about it. I had some questions I wanted to ask. I wanted to kind of go over it with management. But the detail that you left out were these prominent actors in the movie. Now that I know that, I'm in. Of course, of course I'm in. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Ashley,
2: I'm sorry, but I'm in the movie.
1: All right. Okay. So things things are going very well at this dinner. Like we're like wheeling and dealing.
2: Yeah. For the pod. Of course. It sounds amazing. You guys are doing great work.
1: And then uh, he's talking about a pod sponsorship, Uh like possibly us promoting his film on the pod, which. If you're listening to this episode, you'll probably notice it is sponsored by The Neighborhood. Yeah. But then... You you don't say no to a lot of things after six bottles of $300 wine. Yeah. I don't really remember the entire dinner. Like, I did lose time (laughs) a little bit. But were Frank and I getting into, like, a couple of arguments over the course of the the meal?
0: Yeah. Over movies and then over whether somebody starred in a movie or not. And then you were looking up
1: IMDb and he, he beat you like two out of two times. Oh, and then Frank showed me a commercial. Like he has this old commercial where There's another thing you can test him on where he plays every character in the commercial. And I go, Frank, you're not this character. Goes, the chef. He goes, that's me. And I go. No, it's not. He goes, you don't think I know who the family. am? He's he like, that's me. And then we showed it to his buddy who was still there at the time. His buddy's like, I don't think that's you, Frank.
3: <laughs> we
0: started, we exploded laughing. Uh,
1: but then the pod kind of reminds him of a tiff we've had in our, in the past, oh, like a beef. Yeah, He's like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah. another thing about our last dinner, the the one I paid for you, I gave you 24 hours notice. That's bullshit what you said.
0: The interview the he stood us up on.
1: Uh, at Mama D's. As so
0: listeners I, will know. I was like, saga. Frank,
1: like I should have checked my email, but it was not 24 hours notice. Before I know it, the phone's out. He's calling his assistant to check. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, Gemma. All right. I'm going to hand the phone to Mike. You you tell him how much, how many hours notice you give. And then he hands this little phone to Mike.
0: I, I'm like, Gemma, how's it going? It's Mike Vierman. She's like, hey. I'm like, I'm, you know, we're having this wonderful lunch. Uh, Shane and uh, Frank are in a little bit of a tiff right now. They're having a difference <laughs> of opinion. Uh, Shane claims uh, that you did not give him 24-hour notice before Frank bailed on our interview. Frank says, there's no way you would ever do that, Gemma. Uh, so I just wanted to, to to clarify that for them before they really get into it. And she's like, uh, it wasn't 24 hours notice. I sent nope. it around 11 at night. But Shane did not check his email. He says he's having email issues. So I was kind of right. You're,
1: yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah. It's, and, not, it's not good to be right, though, when uh, the host is being I, so generous. I know, but
1: Yeah, especially when he's sponsoring this damn episode. Anyway, we end up getting the sponsorship deal.
2: You're making deals. This is, this is how big business happens over lunch.
1: Another bottle of wine comes. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. I'm like legless at this point. Frank is getting kind of emotional, too, because he's like, out of nowhere, too, he's like, why'd you buy red maple leaf? I would have given it to you. I'm like, how would you know I bought the red maple leaf? He's like, I saw what you did. So, <laughs> so on his website, after our interview, I realized, oh, I don't have the red maple leaf in my collection. One of his latest film, his latest film. So he saw that I ordered and bought it off the website. And I think I totally gained his respect for doing that. He well, saw- I own every one of his movies. Yeah. So he knows I'm, I'm a legit fan. You know, yeah. I'm not just a bullshit artist.
0: And as the, the wine was flowing, Shane and Frank, I think, do have a good bond. And they were starting to go back and forth and really connect on the films. And I just kind of sat back and, and enjoyed a glass and, and watched the two men work.
1: At the very end, he was like, okay, I'm sending you guys home in a car. We're like, oh no, you don't have to do that. So he couldn't figure out how to get his driver there or whatever. And then I think he downloaded the Uber app or got Gemma to or something on one of his phones, like remotely. Just ordered an Uber. Yeah, ordered Just an Uber for us. Uber comes. Hey, before the car came, you forgot about this. What are your wives like? What do your wives like to eat? Oh yeah.
0: Gets the waiter over again, orders some pasta, is like your wife eat fish. Okay, fish. What's your wife eat? He gets two things for us to bring home.
1: Wow. Delicious
0: pasta. What a, what a gentleman. And it was amazing. Danica loved it.
1: Yeah, Gets the Uber driver over. Frank tipped $100 in cash. Wow. Just gave it to her, left it in the passenger. Was, she was trying not to take it. Uh-huh. But Frank, you know, you don't say no to Frank. He yeah. said, make sure my boys get home all right. Wow. And then so we got home and, you know, that was it and kind of the rest is history. Shane slept the whole way home. And don't forget to check out The Neighborhood in select theaters August 18th all across Canada.
0: That's it. That's all. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Oceaga special. Hope it was enjoyable. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening.
1: Uh,
2: You can find the Mike on Much podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Mike on Much. Please leave a comment and ratings in the iTunes section there for the podcast. Huge shout out to Jenna Gregory who does the doodles. jennasdoodles.com. Huge thank you to Dan Carruthers. He's, and he tells us every week, don't thank me. Thank other people. But Dan did a killer job this weekend in Montreal. He really makes this thing go.
0: And thanks so much to Much for sending us to Oceaga and the Virgin Mobile Members Lounge. Um, and Justin Stockman and Mike McShane. And uh, everybody that helps us out with this thing. The Michael Much Podcast is produced by Max Kerman. I'm your host, Mike Vierman. See you next week if we don't die on the weekend.
1: Ow.